book one chapter four section one of tasker jevons the real story by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book one my book chapter four section one we didn't stay in brussels more than a day or two jevons didn't like it he'd become sentimentally attached to bruges and he wasn't happy till i took him back there i can't say he was exactly happy then except in so far as he may have enjoyed his own suicidal gloom i wasn't very happy either all my recollections of bruges are poisoned by jevons's gloom and by my own miserable business of looking after him and seeing that he didn't walk gloomily into any of the canals as for seeing bruges i don't know to this day whether the belfry is beautiful or not only know that it stood there in the grey sky like an immense monument to the melancholy of jevons he made me horribly uneasy i thought every day that if he didn't walk into a canal he'd have another fit of jaundice he seemed to be suffering chiefly from remorse and oddly enough it was this remorse of his that gave me the measure of his essential innocence as if viola hadn't given it me already it was in his dejection that he showed his tact he had for our remarkable circumstances the right manner if jevons had been jaunty if he had tried to brazen it out i should have hated him as it was his misery might be poisonous but it was most disarming so was his trust in me he realized that he had got viola into the devil of a mess and he looked intelligently to me to get her out of it and with the same confiding simplicity he put himself into my hands now the adventure had shaken his nerve and he was afraid of himself afraid of doing some supremely foolish thing like following viola to canterbury i believe he would have consented to stay in bruges long after the term i had imposed if i had told him it was necessary i said i took him to brussels and brought him back to bruges he submitted to be brought and taken to be banged about in trains and omnibuses to be fetched and carried like a parcel he let me feel in the most touching manner that my presence was a comfort to him while he recognized that his might be anything but a comfort to me i know i had nothing to do with jevons's melancholy the fat proprietor and his wife who smiled at us by way of encouragement in our passages to and fro before their bureau these thralls of jevons's odd fascination had confided to me that he had been much worse the day before i came the poor gentleman could neither eat nor sleep other guests in the hotel had come upon him wandering by himself at strange hours on the quays there were a good many english in bruges that spring i was greatly relieved by these disclosures they testified to the fact that jevons at any rate on viola's last day had been seen very much by himself we had not spoken of viola since the day when i had come back from ostend after seeing her off i can't recall much of what we did talk about but i remember that jevons's remarks were always interesting and that in his lucid intervals he laid himself out to be amusing in one respect only he had deteriorated jevons's strong language was no longer strong it came if it came at all in brief spurts never with the passionate rush the gorgeous colour the sustained crescendo of his first runnings it was a thing of feeble clichés that might have passed in any drawing-room we didn't then talk about viola but i know that he heard from her and that i didn't the first week of jevons's fortnight was up 
when i got a wire from canterbury it said reggie sailed yesterday trouble can you come canterbury at once viola of course the word that stuck out of it was trouble for the rest it was ambiguous i couldn't tell neither could jevons whether the trouble was connected somehow with reggie's sailing or whether in announcing his departure she meant to intimate that jevons might now return to england the coast was clear jevons i may say took this view of it and i did not it was i and not jevons who was asked to come at once jevons for viola's present purposes was ignored with his usual intelligence he saw my point we made out that the message suggested trouble with viola's family and he agreed heartily that he was not precisely the person to deal with that oh yes he trusted me he gave me his word of honour that he would stay in bruges until i either sent for him or came back to fetch him before i left i had a straight talk with him i pointed out to him what he said he knew as well as i did that on the most lenient view of his case he had compromised miss thesiger very seriously but i said he would have had to have compromised her more seriously still before her people would consent to her marrying him he must see that with what he had done by stopping short of what he might have done he had made himself if anything more unacceptable than he was to begin with she might she probably would in her present mood insist on marrying him without their consent on the other hand she just mightn't and it wasn't as if he could afford to marry her at once while her present mood was on he said no but in six months he could afford it he gave himself six months i said anything might happen in six months miss thesiger's present mood which i put it to him was very much made up of old flemish glamour might change and if it did it was just conceivable that she might marry me he was determined to marry miss thesiger if he got the chance i was determined to marry miss thesiger if i got the chance at the present most of the chances i owned were in his favour but there was just the off chance in mine and that off chance i told him plainly i meant to make the most of i wouldn't be human if i didn't i wasn't taking any unfair advantage of him considering the tremendous innings he had had in flanders with the flemish atmosphere to help him if i could make any running in canterbury with the canterbury atmosphere to help me he owned very handsomely that it would help me that i'd be in it quite beautifully why i'd make it had he anything to say he looked at me very straight with just the least perceptible twinkle and he said all right old man cut in and take your chance i'll risk it i got to canterbury in the early evening and went straight from my fifteenth-century hotel to the thesiger's house in the close i spotted it at once it was all old red brick and grey stone like the tudor houses in john's and margaret's quad i asked for miss viola thesiger and was shown into the canon's library to my great relief the canon wasn't in his library it looked out on to a perfect garden with a thick green lawn and an old red brick wall very high all round it and tall elms topping the wall and long beds of wallflowers and tulips blazing away underneath it i said to myself if i want atmosphere i've got it bruges is nothing to the thesiger's garden in canterbury close i'd time to take it all in for viola kept me waiting i was glad of the peace of the garden for i'd taken in more atmosphere than i wanted already as i came through the house you went upstairs to the canon's library and along a narrow black oak corridor and in passing i was aware of a peculiar quietness everywhere 
it wasn't simply the quietness and laziness of the cathedral close it was something in the house i felt it as i crossed the threshold and the hall it was the sum of slight but definite impressions the sudden silence of voices that were talking somewhere when i came in the shutting of a door that stood ajar the withdrawal of footsteps approaching on the landing it was as if there had been a death in the house as if its people shrank and hid themselves in their bereavement i might have been the undertaker called in to help them to bury their dead the trouble was strictly confined to the thesiger's house from the tennis lawns under the high walls of other gardens there came shouts of girls and of young men at play presently viola came to me she held her head if anything higher than usual and the expression of her face was out of keeping with the trouble in the air but as she came nearer i saw that this gay face was white its tissue had a sort of sick smoothness and there were dark smears under her eyes the poor child had paid her tribute to the trouble she said it is good of you to come did you mind awfully i said of course i didn't she smiled again the little white blank smile she had for me in those days and i asked her what had happened she said everything's happened it's been awful her smile took on significance the whole wild irony of disaster then she said they know all of them your brother no not reggie he got away in time they won't tell him they won't even tell bertie they'll never talk about it but they know i said supposing they do know as long as other people don't but wally that's just it everybody does know i couldn't take her quite seriously yet i asked her was it the labels and she said no she'd picked all the foreign ones off at dover and she got the dover ones off in the cab coming home and she'd had heaven's own luck at the station nobody'd seen her on the up platform and her people thought she'd come from london of course they all asked her where she'd been and she told them she wasn't going to let on just yet that it wasn't good for them to know too much and that if they behaved themselves they'd know some day she meant to tell them as soon as ever reggie'd gone really and truly wally i meant to tell them and do you know she said they thought i was rotting them that i'd been in some stuffy place in the country all the time then how on earth i said did they find out they didn't they never do find out things they heard last night somebody saw us withers i said i'd thought of withers at once but he didn't seem likely he wasn't back yet no not withers some women who knew my uncle general thesiger they were in your hotel in bruges and they knew some other women staying in the pension they saw my name in the visitor's book and it excited them it all comes you see of my uncle being so beastly distinguished so that they had to say they knew him and then of course the other people chipped in and told them all they knew about me can't you see them doing it i could indeed i never thought the pension was a good scheme she said but poor jimmy would make me go to it he said it was safe you see how safe it was i wasn't quite clear yet as to where jevons came in you say these people saw you you mean they saw you and jevons she smiled more than ever no wally it was you they saw i don't know whether i was glad or sorry i believe i was both i was glad that jevons the ugly element was disposed of i was sorry sorry indeed is hardly the word for what i felt when i thought of the impression viola's family had of me now of the terms on which i should be received into it if i were received into it at all i couldn't clear myself entirely you see without dragging in jevons 
and for viola's sake jevons had at any cost to be suppressed what on earth i said must your people think of me she said surprisingly they think you a perfect dear what for carrying you off to belgium that's what i seem to have done i don't quite see how i'm to get out of it unless we can persuade them that we met by accident oh she said i got you out of it all right i asked her how she said i told them the truth i said it wasn't you it was jimmy what did you do that for because it was jimmy i went off with you're all right they know it's jimmy i groaned that's precisely what i've been trying to prevent them knowing they know that too i told them that you came out to look for me like a lamb to save me and that you made me come back they think that was dear of you she paused on it with a tenderness that touched me you see she said i've saved you i could only say my dear child have you saved yourself she was visibly troubled i think i think they believe me they say they do but they don't understand that's why i sent for you i want you to make them see make them see what i said it was clumsy of me what it really was she said i asked her if they knew i was there she said yes they were coming in to see me they want to see you they want to know i saw then what my work was to be i was not only to witness to her innocence and jevons's if they doubted it i was to show them what she had shown me in the garden at bruges the beauty of the whole thing as it appeared to her i was to show them jevons's beauty well i thought it'll take some showing do they i asked her at all realize jevons yes they asked me if he was the man reggie met at your rooms of course i had to say he was it's almost a pity reggie met him that's what's frightened them you see he only saw the funny part of him i could imagine what reggie's description of the funny part of jevons had been i said she was asking me to do a rather difficult thing she said yes and i've made it worse by telling them i'm going to marry jimmy and i'm to persuade them that that's the best thing you can do am i she said yes if i could do that i said i couldn't i couldn't persuade myself how could i when i was convinced that the best thing she could do was to marry me she said she'd forgotten that and that i could leave the marrying part of it to her it's about bruges she said that i want you to tell them i can't very well if they don't ask me i expounded oh but she said they will ask you at least daddy will it was at this point when i must say we had thrashed it out pretty thoroughly that mrs thesiger came in viola left me to her i noticed that except for the moment of viola's formal introduction of me neither of them spoke to or looked at the other i have said that mrs thesiger was a charming woman i may have said other things that imply she was not so charming those things if i really said them i take back now that i have come to my first meeting with her when i recall that ten minutes it didn't last longer i cannot think of her as otherwise than perfect it took perfection of a sort to deal creditably with the situation nothing could well have been more painful for mrs thesiger i an utter stranger was supposed to know all about her daughter to know more than she or any of them knew i held the secret of those dubious seven days in belgium that the days would be dubious i must have known when i set out to bring viola back from belgium i must the poor lady probably said to herself have known viola and my knowledge of her so dreadful and so intimate was a thing she was afraid of she didn't want to come too near it but it was also a thing that must be exceedingly painful to me 
she conceived that i would dread her approach every bit as much as she dreaded mine and so and so mrs thesiger ignored my knowledge she ignored the situation beautifully and consistently from the beginning to the end of my stay in canterbury she ignored it she had come in now to bring me her invitation and her husband's invitation to stay her husband she said expected me he was out he had had to go to a diocesan meeting but it would be over by now the tiresome meeting and he would be here in a few minutes i protested i had taken rooms at my fifteenth century hotel she insisted they could make that all right they knew the hotel keeper he was used to having people taken from him at the last minute they would send round for my things my room was waiting for me i said really but they were too kind she said no it was the least they could do this with its faint suggestion of indebtedness was as near as she got to the situation she must have sighted it in the distance for she slanted away from it with a perilous and graceful sweep she had heard so much about me from her daughter she had wanted to make my acquaintance she was glad of this opportunity we smiled at each other to show that there was nothing to wince at in her phrase i said i was glad of it too and what a charming garden they had wasn't it and did i know canterbury i wished i did well i would know it now and if i didn't mind ringing the bell the butler would fetch my things over from the tabard and so on charmingly till the canon came in and relieved her she had done very well he dear charming man did the same thing and did it even better that's to say he had a beautiful voice and he was happier in his phrases he could ignore with the greater ease because he wouldn't have to keep it up so long he kept it up till dinner-time only now and then his kind keen look at me told me that he was going to have it out with me and that he was measuring the man with whom he would have to do but before dinner they had taken me to my room they hoped i wouldn't mind having bertie's room the house was full all the girls were at home so they had had to give me bertie's room as i dressed in bertie's room the drawback of it was that it looked bang out onto the cathedral tower and was fairly raked by the chimes with the cathedral tower before my eyes and the cathedral chimes in my ears and canon thesiger's beautiful voice and mrs thesiger's beautiful face and the beautiful manners of both of them in my memory it came over me with renewed conviction that jevons was impossible that viola's people knew and felt he was impossible that viola knew and felt he was impossible herself and that in the face of all this impossibility i had a chance bruges might back jevons but canterbury would never back him whereas it was quite evident that canterbury was backing me i was in the drawing-room ten minutes before dinner-time they were all there the canon and mrs thesiger and their five unmarried daughters victoria the eldest millicent the high-school teacher mildred the nurse viola the youngest but one and nora the youngest they were all there the whole seven of them and they were all silent until i appeared as i went down the stairs and through the hall i noticed that the door was open and that no sounds came through it i caught sight of viola standing by the window with her back to her family the others sat or stood in attitudes averted from her and from each other when they heard me they all stirred and began talking and as i came into the room i found the girls drawn together even viola had turned from her window i see them now canon thesiger standing on the hearthrug looking handsome and mrs thesiger beside him looking handsome too in grey silk and a little flushed 
i hadn't realized in our first meeting how handsome they both were and how brilliantly unlike he was well built slender aquiline clean-cut and clean-shaven he had thin beautiful lips that he held in stiffly he had dark eyes like his son reggie's and dark hair parted correctly in the middle hair that waved he had tried to depress and subdue it by hard brushing with a wet brush but it continued to wave in spite of him and the crests of the waves were silver which accentuated them end of book one chapter four section one recording by expatriate in bangor maine